Hello, and welcome back to another bite-sized episode of 40 Minute Mentor. I really hope you're enjoying this series so far, and you've been able to learn a lot from our mentors over the last few weeks. I'd love to hear what your favorite episodes of this series have been so far, so please leave us a review on ratethispodcast.com forward slash 40mm, or email us at info at jbmc.co.uk. I can't wait to hear from you. Now on to today's mentorship, we're joined by Alex Merry, a former COO turned public speaking coach. You may have come across Alex's book, Make It Count, or heard of his public speaking club, Mic Drop. I've had the pleasure of meeting Alex at an event not too long ago, so I'm so excited that he agreed to come on 40 Minute Mentor to share his advice on public speaking with us. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this special bite-sized episode with the brilliant Alex Merry. My name's Alex. I'm a public speaking coach, the author of a new book called Make It Count, and I'm also building a community called Mic Drop for thought leaders that speak. So one of the questions that I often get asked is, what makes somebody a good public speaker? And for me, I can sum it up in one word, impact. Impact is all I really care about. That is the thing that is most important. And I think that you can really breaking impact down into three different areas, which link really nicely with how you can look at public speaking as a whole. First one is clarity. And by clarity, I'm talking about clarity of message. I'm a firm believer that what you say matters. And if you're able to distill whatever it is you're talking about into something that is clear and easy for people to understand, it's going to make a huge, huge difference. Second thing I think you need is confidence. And by confidence, I'm talking about confidence in your delivery. We all know those people who can walk into a room and sap the life and energy from our souls. They send us to sleep, more suited for sleep stories than they are inspiring any kind of impact or action. That's one end of the spectrum. But then you've also got the other end of the spectrum, those people who can walk into a room and they light it up when they start speaking. And confidence is really the thing and the difference between those two things. And then I think the third thing that you need is a connection with your audience. So clarity, confidence, connection. And connection is about getting your audience to listen and listen without judgment so that they're open to the ideas that you want to share. So if you can think about the way you present and ensure that you've got a clear message, you've got a confident delivery, so you've got some authority within which you're speaking, and then you have a real connection with the people that you're speaking to. Get those three things right, and there's a very, very good chance that however you share your message and however well you think you might present, there's a very, very good chance that what you say is really going to land with your audience. That said, there are quite a lot of mistakes that people make when it comes to presenting. And I think the biggest mistake I see people make is that they think that the success of a presentation boils down to getting through your presentation without forgetting your words. It is not a memory test. And I think the sooner people can realize and understand that the success of a presentation is not down to whether or not you remember your words, it's going to take a load of pressure off the presentations that you end up giving. Your real purpose is to create a domino effect. You can put all the preparation that you like in in the world, but until you're in that room and you can feel the energy in that room and you've understood and you've seen what's gone on just before your presentation, how you've been introduced and all of that stuff, 
you can't really predict exactly how it's going to go. So I think the first big mistake is it's not a memory test and don't think of a presentation as a memory test. The second thing, which kind of links really nicely, is this idea of over-preparation. I think when people often start working with me, they think I'm going to be an absolute stickler for huge, vast amounts of preparation. And I think there are certain circumstances where a huge amount of preparation is called for, but very, very rare. The majority of the time for the everyday presentations that we're giving, often the more time you put in, the easier it is to fall into death by detail, lose complete sight of the reason why you're presenting in the first place. And it gives your head and your brain a huge amount of opportunities to fall into this trap of overthinking and nerves and panic and worry. And all of these things can distort those three things that I was talking to you about at the beginning, clarity, confidence, and connection. One of the most common conversations that I tend to have with people is around nerves. How do you control them? And in my book, I dedicated a whole section, a third of my book, to managing your nerves and preventing them from letting them get the better of you. I think we spend, especially in the lead up to delivering a presentation, we spend too much time in our heads, not enough time in our bodies. And there are some very, very specific things that you can do to help prepare yourself. One of them being let go of your words. Don't turn this into a memory test because the second you get a word wrong, you're going to feel like you failed and you, you may only be 30 seconds in. But I think the other thing that we feel a huge amount of is pressure. Our job here is to speak under pressure. And what we're really trying to do, the best presenters just look like they're having a conversation with the people that they're speaking to. How can we release a lot of that pressure? And in my book, I talk about this idea of expectation inflation, which is the second you find out you have been given a presentation to do, it's like you are holding an empty bag on your shoulders and sand from that moment onwards is being poured into it. And it builds and it builds and it builds all the way through to the, the day you're going to deliver the presentation itself. And expectation is what really that sand represents. And your job is to release as much of that extra expectation as possible. So how do you do that? Well, the expectation is coming from two things. It's coming from you, the expectations that you have on yourself. And secondly, the expectations that your audience has on you. Let's start with the expectations that your audience has on you. Well, the first thing is, is they probably haven't given your presentation a second's thought until you've walked into the room. Yet, when you're preparing your presentation, it's very, very easy to convince yourself into thinking that the only thing they are thinking about is whether or not you're going to know your presentation. It needs to be a 10 out of 10. They haven't. <laughs> I, uh, In preparation for my book, I interviewed a load of what I would consider to be, <laughs> I'll try not to offend them, intimidating people to present to, people I've had to present to in the past who have made me particularly nervous. And asked, I asked them what the average presentation, if they were going to score the average presentation, that they are on the receiving end of, what would it be? And their answer was six. Yet we put pressure on ourselves. We set the expectation on ourselves to be, we have to deliver a 10 out of 10. Well, actually, if six is the average presentation, then six is probably good enough. And anything above six is a bonus. And one of the things that high-performing athletes, I always liken athletes to presenting. Athletes spend a huge amount of time preparing for something for a very, very short amount of time of actually delivering something. They have a huge amount of expectation on, on their heads. And one of the common things I've learned working with a few Olympians is that when it comes to race day, whatever, or match day or whatever the sport they're doing is, if they say to themselves, this needs to be a 10 out of 10, then they are 
actively restricting themselves from achieving it. So they have to let go of that expectation and maybe saying, you know what, six is good enough. Anything above six is is bonus. will give you a little bit of fluidity. So it takes a little bit of the pressure out. Nerves specifically, the most simple guaranteed piece of advice I can give you for managing your nerves would be to go for a run, do some sort of exercise on that day. The nerves are a response of our manifestation of our fight or flight response. Your body wants to do something, let your body do what it wants and it will help reset those chemicals. And then five minutes before you're due to deliver your presentation, put a game song on. Put a song on that makes you feel really good and it will take you out of your head into your body and you'll be feeling a lot better for it. One of the things that I'll often see presenters do at the very end, I can almost predict the final sentence of every presentation, which is, does anyone have any questions? (laughs) And before I give you a couple of tips on how you might be able to answer the questions that you might receive when you're being put on the spot, my first piece of advice is this, do not finish your presentation with that question. Instead, have that question like just before you enter your real close, does anyone have any questions? Then you allow the Q&A to happen. And then your job at the very end, that final minute is to bring people back to the presentation and the points that you were trying to make and say something like, so if there was one thing I want you to take away from this presentation, this is it. And then tell them that one core thing that you want them to remember. And then you explain the impact of that thing. If we can make that one thing happen, then a huge amount of opportunity awaits. And that is going to be really exciting for our team, our clients, and the industry as a whole. Now, I'm completely making that up on the spot. But if you can frame the end of the question section with something uplifting and impactful at the very, very end, it will change how your audience feels about the presentation itself. So never, ever again, if you are listening to this podcast, finish your presentation with, does anyone have any questions? If you are asked difficult questions, though, the first piece of advice I would give you is to own the pause. The longer you wait between the question being asked and you answering it, and there is a maybe an upper limit to this, the more effective your answer is likely to be. I've done a bit of research, and I reckon you can get away with about five seconds worth of pause after a question's being asked. It's quite a long time. And I think where things start to get really exciting are what you can do with those five seconds. And the first thing you can do is breathe and re-listen to the question itself again. So you can start thinking about what your answer is going to be. Second thing is the pause shows that you are considering the question and you're not going to be flippant with your answer. You're not going to blag it. And the third thing it does is if there is any silence, when the silence happens in the room, those people who'd stop paying attention will suddenly realize, oh, it's gone silent, and they will start tuning in to listen to your answer. But I've got a really simple framework that you can use for answering the questions that you've got. And uh, the acronym is PREP, P-E-R-P. P stands for position. And the question you're going to ask yourself there is, what do you think? Then reason, why do you think that way? Example, what evidence do you have to support this? And proposition, what should happen next? So what do you think? Why do you think that way? What evidence do you have to support it? So this is about bringing a story or an example in to bring your point to life. And then what should happen next? So what what needs to happen moving forward? And that's a very, very simple way to help structure your answers in a way that will will be impactful for the people listening. 
if there was one thing that I wanted you all to take from today's episode, it is that the things that we think make us great public speakers aren't necessarily as important as you think. We often associate great public speakers with, you know, incredible body language and velvety voices to woo the audience. And even people who love the spotlight, that could not be further from the truth. Some of the best public speakers hate public speaking. They are introverted. They are incredibly nervous beforehand. And I think that those people who present and don't fall into the category of what we think or what we associate great public speaking with, well, they've got an incredible opportunity to stand out amongst everyone else and amongst all of the noise, these sort of public speaking robots that seem to make everything look easy. So if you feel like your style isn't necessarily as perfect Toastmasters public speaking as you might want it to be, well, actually, rather than try and work towards that, why don't you own it? Because if you can feel better about the way you communicate, it will show in the messages and the presentations that you deliver in the end. So there are two places that I would direct you to if you'd like a little bit more help with any of this. The first one is I've written a book for people who are delivering high stakes presentations internally at work inside organizations. It's called Make It Count, How to Deliver High Stakes Presentations to People You Need to Impress. And you can go grab that on Amazon. The second place I would take people is for those of you who are going down the thought leadership route, conference speaking route, and you want to land more speaking engagements, have a safe space to practice and practice speaking like a thought leader, I have launched a community called Mic Drop, which is having a huge amount of impact with the people who have joined. So head to my LinkedIn page and check it out, or just go to alexmerry.com forward slash mic drop, and you can find out some more information there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you found this episode useful and you'll start putting Alex's brilliant advice into practice in your next pitch or presentation. To find out more about Alex's coaching work and his public speaking club, Mic Drop, or to secure your own copy of Make It Count, then make sure you follow the links in the show notes. Thanks so much again, and I'll see you on Wednesday for another episode of Pocket Size Mentorship. Mentorship.